We are in a series that we're referring to as called, and we're looking at what does it mean when God shows up, he reveals himself, and then what is our response to that? Time and time again in Scripture, all through the Bible, God will reveal himself to someone, and every single time there is an expectation of a response. And so we are looking at many of those times that God shows up and when he confronts somebody or has a mission for somebody or calls them into action and what is the response. And yes, I have an agenda with this series. There is a call that God has for you. The Bible teaches, Scripture teaches that every follower of Jesus, God is laying a call on their life and there's a response and so we began the whole series asking how did you end up where you are how did you get to this place in life because for many of us we're in a place in life we didn't think we'd end up and perhaps you think you're past the part where God is going to give you a call well I'm so glad you're here today because I want to challenge that I want us to look at one call that happened in the Bible, and you're probably going to recognize this one. It's a very familiar call. But when the call comes, the temptation, the challenge was it was going to be blocked. Now, we live in a world of phones like this, right? Not phones like this. If you're still using a phone like this, can you actually get a call on that phone? But we're letting this phone represent the idea of the call. But the difference between the two is, when you call me on this phone, on my phone now, it's like a superpower because I grew up before this was possible. We now know who's calling. You notice there's a couple questions you never ask anymore. You don't ask, who is it? Because it's right there. And we now have the ability to select whether or not we want the call. Used to, you just took a gamble. You picked up the phone. Who is it? But now we have the chance to select who we call. And have, does anybody... Now, this is church, so we'll keep it in the room, okay? Just, just, just amongst us. Has anybody ever had their phone ring, you looked at it, and you decided not to take the call? Not just me, huh? Because... Now, it may have been spam, but was it ever somebody that you knew, I don't want to have that conversation now. I'm not ready for that one. I know whoever's on the other end, they're calling me and they're asking me to do something, and I am just going to avoid it. And now we have this incredible feature called call blocking. Anybody got some numbers blocked on your phone? You can actively go to where you can self-select whether or not you want a call to even reach you. And today, we're going to look at one that tried to block God's call instead of pick up the phone and answer. You're going to have recognized this name as soon as I say it. We're going to look at a man named Moses. And you may not know everything about Moses' life. You may only have a certain 
smattering of facts. You may have seen the movie. You know, there's a movie about him. But Moses was not born as an Egyptian where he grew up. He was born as what is known as a Hebrew of the people of God. But when Moses is born, he's born at a time when the Hebrew people lived in Egypt because they were slaves. They were the slave labor of the nation and they were building the empire for Pharaoh. And when Moses is born, the slave population had grown so mighty that Pharaoh actually started to get nervous that if kind of the deal if the slaves ever figure out that they're outnumber us they could overthrow us and so pharaoh institutes a deal where he gives an order for all hebrew boys that are born to be killed immediately this begins a horrible horrible chapter can you imagine this Moses' parents want to avoid, obviously, this tragedy, and so they create a way to hide Moses, and they actually put him in a basket after his birth, and they set him in the river. Now, I don't necessarily recommend this, but this is what they did, and they actually allowed the basket to kind of float down the river, so I'm assuming maybe when the soldiers came to search the house, because they'd heard that there could have been a birth, then they don't see it. What happens with the basket is that it ends up floating to where Pharaoh's daughter and her court are swimming, taking a bath. They're, they're in the water, in the, in the Nile. And they actually find the basket and they retrieve the basket and they begin to wonder where this baby's from. And the Pharaoh's daughter takes compassion on this child that she just found and brings it into, and Moses grows up in the house, the palace of Pharaoh. And so he's aware that he's a Hebrew as he grows up, but when he gets, but he's also afforded all the luxury and all the privilege that comes with power. And he begins to see as he goes into his early adult life that there is a distinction between the people that are actually his, his, his blood relatives, that they're being oppressed and he's enjoying this luxury and this luxurious life and so it begins to work on him and work on him and one day he decides it's time for action and he sees a slave being mistreated by the slave driver and he intervenes and his intervention is very dramatic he ends up killing the slave driver the slave master and he actually hides the body now even though he's powerful in the in the in the court, he knows he can't just get away with this. And so he hides the body and thinks that that's done. And then the next day, he runs into two Hebrews that are fighting amongst each other. And he doesn't want to see his brothers fighting. So he steps in and he tries to bring peace. And one of them looks at him and says, Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian the other day? And he realizes, one, he's been caught. It, this word's going to get out. And the second he realizes is they're not just going to follow him. He doesn't just get to be the leader of the revolution all of a sudden. Because they're actually afraid of him. Maybe it's because he grew up in the palace or whatever. But they are backing off of him. And so Moses has to go on the run. Verse 
And so Moses leaves life, leaves the luxurious life about the age of 40. And he goes a distance and just becomes a wanderer until he settles down in a land where he becomes a shepherd. He goes from the palace to the pasture. And he's sitting and he's tending sheep and he begins to raise his family. And he spends another 40 years out there. He goes from thinking he's somebody to pretty well convinced that he's nobody. And in that moment, God gives him a call. And so he's tending the sheep one day, and he looks up on the hillside, and he sees a bush that's on fire. And that's not necessarily unusual. It's a dry area. It could have been left from a campfire. It could have been burning from some lightning. But what he notices about the bush when he keeps glancing up there is it just keeps burning. It never gets consumed. And he's used to things being consumed rather rapidly by the fire. And so he goes to investigate. And that's where I want us to pick up our story when he receives the call of God. It's in Exodus chapter 3. If you'd go there, Genesis in your Bible is followed by Exodus. Exodus 3, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 4. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him. From within the bush. Moses, Moses. Now, Moses does something spectacular. He says, Here I am, through this voice that he's hearing come from the bush. Goes on. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. They saw things a little bit different than us. Um, many of you have, have a, a practice when somebody comes into your house and we go to ask you take off of your you take your shoes off because we perceive our shoes are dirty and um, then we don't want to track that on the floor. This is that same kind of idea because when they wore their sandals, they wore them everywhere, and so it wasn't just dust, but it was animal dung and everything else that could have been on it. So the idea is that let's respect this place. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. Now here's the call. Moses has received this. Go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God has just given him the call and Moses doesn't want it. Moses, you're going to see in a conversation that Moses is about to have, he's going to put up four call blockers. So he doesn't have to act on this call. And so the first one he gives right here, Who am I? That's his question. Who am I? 
God. And see, what's fascinating about this is he's got, God's got the right mission. That's what Moses, Moses would agree with the mission. Moses has tried to get this revolution going on his own. When he thought he was somebody. When he thought he could get it done. Now he's a nobody. He's been out here for 40 years attending sheep. On the run. A fugitive. He's a nobody. And so his first question is, who am I? And maybe that's your question too. Who, who am I, God? Why, why would you give me this call? I've got too much in my past. I, I, I never followed the kind of life that you wanted me to follow, and I feel like I'm disqualified from it. We, we all start offering up these excuses, right? Who, who am I, God? I, I never finished college. Who am I? I'm not that old. Who am I? I'm way past the time when, God, I think you can use me. You may be sitting here right now, and that may be the word that you need to hear, because you may feel like God calls somebody that's a decade or two younger than you, but not at your age. And what I want to suggest, and I believe this with everything in my being, and I believe that Scripture teaches this, that if you're here and you're still drawing breath, God has a call on your life. You may think your past has disqualified you. God, I've, I've walked through a divorce. God, I've had an abortion. God, I've blown up my family. God, I've betrayed the ones that love me. God, I've... You ever notice that when God talks to us, we want to give God a lot more information like he doesn't know? <laughs> Have you ever had that conversation with God? You, you get a sense that he's wanting you to go in motion, so you need to give God some information because his record may not be complete enough? That's what Moses is doing. Look what God says. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Notice what he said there? Notice how God answered? Did, did God give Moses any more information about Moses? Not at all. What God said was, Moses, it's not about who you are. About who I am. God's saying, I'm sending you. It's all about me. I've got the right mission and I've picked the right man. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, Now he's going to get into this bartering deal. The God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? What Moses is asking here, so the first question is, who am I? His question is, now, who are you? Who are you, God? Who, you gotta, you got to give me more. I mean, the burning bush, that's nice, but I need some more to go off of. Here's what God says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. I want you to underline, circle that, highlight that on your app. God says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. 
This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. God gives this name that's I am. And what he does with that, he says, this is all-inclusive. I am. Not I hope to be. Not I'm trying to be. Not maybe someday I'll be. I am. When you get to the New Testament, you will see Jesus refer to himself in this way. I am. I am the one who was. I'm the one who will be. I am the one who's right now, forever and ever, generation to generation. You can just count on it, Moses. That's who I am. And he's reinforcing the very first, um, he's reinforcing the very first thing that he said. He says, it's not about you. It's my call. It's my mission. I am. I've got you on this. Moses is not through offering call blockers yet. He keeps going. Uh, Rain, skip with me to, to chapter 4. Let's, let's jump to chapter 4, verse 1. So Moses answers one more time. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? So you're supposed to go. You say I am. I've, I've told you. I've answered your questions. Here's who I am. You say I'm the God of the generations of generations. I'm the God of your forefathers. You tell them that. And so Moses puts up another call blocker. And he looks back and he says, well, but what if they don't believe me or listen to me? This is the call blocker. It's what if they question my credibility. I don't have the credibility to answer this one, God. I, I, they're not going to believe me. Now, I want you to watch it how God answers this one. Because there's something going on here that I think will connect right to where you are and to where I am when God reaches down and calls us into action. Here's how God answers this one. Verse 2, the Lord answers. What is that in your hand? Okay, so now he goes into a demonstration. Okay, So picture this. Moses says, I've got a staff and he's holding his shepherd's staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And then this is how you know the Bible is absolutely true because here's what you should do when you see a snake. He ran from it. Those of you that go the other direction, you need help. Okay? You run from snakes. Moses ran. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. This is where I would have a real big call blocker between me and God. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and turned it back and the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand keeps going this said the lord is so that they may believe that the lord the god of their fathers the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob has appeared to you it keeps going then the lord said put your hand inside your cloak so moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out the skin was leprous now that is a contagious disease that would Cause the, the nerves to go numb, and therefore it would cause sores 
and you would not be aware of it, and eventually the, the, the limbs and the extremities would begin to decay and fall off. It was really serious, and it was a problem that they had to face. And if you became leprous, it, it took your life ultimately. And in fact, you read many times inside of Scripture where people had to move away from the community if they became leprous. So he puts his hand inside his cloak and pulls it out. It becomes as white as snow. He knows he has leprosy. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on, your, on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. God gives him three signs. Why does God choose? Why does he answer the question this way? Because it's not just a question of credibility. Hey, how are they going to believe me, God? Can you give me some tricks? Moses is asking a question of, I, I don't have the credibility, I don't have the authority, and I don't have the power to do what you're asking me to do. Because Moses is actually, in this moment, he's less concerned with what the, the leaders of the Hebrews are going to say as he knows he's going to have to go back and stand in front of the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, and take him on. God, I'm way outgunned here. I'm way outmatched. By what credibility, by what power, by what authority do I stand there and challenge Pharaoh? This is why we get the first of those signs. Because each of the signs that he gives is something that would scare them to death. A snake would scare them, being leprous would scare them, and having the Nile River where all of life and economy and agriculture and everything was sourced, to have it turn into blood would be tragic. And so he's laying out these scary things that challenge the power of Pharaoh. In fact, the thing about the snake, if you've ever seen an Egyptian headdress of a Pharaoh, you notice it has a cobra as an ornament right on the front. It's because the pharaohs would adopt the imagery of the cobra as a sign that they were God. And God is telling Moses, I don't need you to be a God. I need you to represent the one true God in front of a man that is pretending to be a God. And you're going to expose his falsehood, his illusion, when you demonstrate this power. Again, God's saying, here it is. And so as God's calling you, you may want to, but, but what leverage do I have? What, what means do I have? What authority do I have? God's saying, it's never about your credibility. What's always going to be on display is my credibility. God is telling Moses. God is telling you. Then he moves on. Moses said, so he's not done yet. Call block after call block after call block, he's still going. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses is really going the distance here, isn't he? 
I, I mean, here's one more excuse, one more excuse, and this one is, God, I don't know how to talk really well. I, we'd say it in text, I don't talk good. And some of you thought that was a great sentence. Here's God. Wait, so this is a question of his ability. And I think this is one that we all struggle with. I'm not able to, Lord. I don't have that ability. So what does God say? The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. God's getting tired. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Go. I will do it. This is one of those th- cases where Moses gives God some more information and God comes back and says, I know that already. I created you. I made you. I'm indwelling you. I've got this. I will tell you what to say. I find great hope in this particular verse right here. Because I will tell you, there are, has been numerous times in my ministry when I do not know what to say. I, I am about to walk into a hospital room. Or I'm about to walk into a funeral. Or a home where somebody just lost someone. Or I'm about to have two people come and sit down in front of me and they're, they're at odds and their marriage is heated. And I've had to pray on numerous occasions, Lord, I, I'm not sure that I've got any kind of wisdom in this moment. I need a word from you because you've promised that you're going to give a word to me if I would just be faithful and show up. And every single time, God answers that prayer. So, we've ever been in some situation you've heard a wise word from me it didn't come from me and you're probably saying I didn't think it did <laughs> but God is telling Moses it's not about your ability it's not about your credibility it's not about who you are I've got this Moses has given every call blocker he can come up with and here's what he says But Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. That's not a call block. That's a hang up. (laughs) God, send somebody else. I don't want the job. God doesn't slow down. The Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? This is a concession God's making. I know he can speak well. Yeah, I made him too. He's already on his way to meet you. Do you see that? God was already working it out. And you will be glad, to, and, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak And will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you. And it will be as if he were your mouth. And as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand. So you can perform the signs with it. God's will will not be stopped. 
God will have his will worked out some way. The question is, will you be a part of it? Will you respond to the call? So I'm going to give you two takeaways. And these are going to come fast, but each time Moses offers a call blocking opportunity, question, statement, whatever. God responds and he keeps telling him it's not about him. So here's the first thing I want you to understand is this. It's not about your credibility or your ability, but your availability. God does not ask you to come already equipped with everything that you think you're going to need. In fact, you've probably heard it said this way before. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those that he calls. What God is asking for you when he is giving you that that sense that he's moving you in a direction, you feel led that way, he's asking, will you be available? Will you make yourself available to him? And you will only be able to do that when you understand and wrap your mind and your heart around this next takeaway, and here's what he's trying to get Moses to understand. A call from God can only be accomplished with power from God. This is not an invitation for you to go accomplish whatever is on your heart at any given moment. But if you sense that it's God calling you, and you're prayerful about that, and you have this sense that He keeps leading you in a direction, and you may be sitting right now hearing these words thinking, I've been wrestling with that thing that I think God wants me to do. How did Scott know that this is what I needed to hear today? It's God telling you that there's a call that's coming for you, that's for you. Our temptation is to block it because we think it's all about our ability, our credibility, who we are, our past, our future, whatever. And God says, I've got this. It's not about you. It's about who I am. And the call that comes from God can only be accomplished by the power from God. As I was praying about this message today, God reminded me and placed on my heart one that I just am fascinated by and amazed at how she accepted the call. Many of you will know this person. Let me show you a picture. This is Alyssa Ferguson. Alyssa is now in heaven. She used to be a member here when she was very young. She was part of our children's ministry. Her parents, Scott and Sandy, are some of my dear and closest friends. Somewhere around her 13th birthday, they learned that Alyssa had a brain tumor. And that began a series of highly invasive brain tumor operations. I believe by the time they were done, there were six. Each one trying to go and remove the tumor that was just so aggressive and would keep coming back. So in the middle of this struggle, Alyssa never lost her charm, her spirit, her hope. And word got out about her situation and somebody contacted Make-A-Wish Foundation. And so Make-A-Wish Foundation came And they met with the family. And when Scott describes it, I love it. He says they took Alyssa off to the side where they could just talk to her. And they visited and they were asking her, what do you want your wish wish to be? 
And when they came back and met with Scott and Sandy again, they said, we've offered her Disney World. We've offered her trips around the world. And she says, I've got everything I need. But I just read a book called A Long Walk to Water. And the book just highlights the fact that so many children in the world live at a great distance from simply fresh water. And Alyssa says, I've been listening to a song by a guy named Matthew West. And Matthew West has a song called Do Something. And the lyrics of the song are simply a guy that wakes up in the morning and he sees all the injustice injustice, all the inequality, all the brokenness around him, all the poverty around him, and he shakes his fist at heaven and says, why won't you do something, Lord? And the answer he gets back from heaven is, I did. I made you. And Alyssa took that song to heart, and so she said, I want to use my wish to drill a well where kids don't have water. So they did. Word got to Matthew West. Matthew West began every concert. He met Alyssa, began every concert, telling her story and offering the, 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 the concert gatherers there, the ones that had come to the concert, to pray for her. Hundreds of thousands of people ended up knowing Alyssa's story. After she passed away at the funeral, they announced the launching of... Alyssa's World Changer Fund. And so her mom and her dad, Scott and Sandy, they created a fund in her honor and they started drilling wells. To date, they've drilled eight different wells. The ninth one's going to be announced pretty soon. Her legacy was so powerful that just recently in the Fort Smith Independent School District, they're building a new elementary. When it opens, it will be called... Alyssa Ferguson Elementary. Now, she could have said, I'm just a teenager. She could have said, what authority do I have? What power do I have? What credibility do I have? I've I, I got to fight cancer right now. I, I don't have time for anything else. And yet God said, oh, do I have a mission for you? You have a call that's coming. The question is, will you try to block the call? Or will you answer it? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray your forgiveness the times that you call me and I say, I'm too busy Send somebody else. You've got the wrong man. You've got the wrong person, Father. I don't have the credibility. All the excuses I try to block the call with. So, Father, I pray for those here that you are placing a call on their life. That we would stop offering up the excuses and just trust that you are the I am. Father, I'm so grateful for Moses because I'm so much like him in so many ways, and I just want to say, no, 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 no. And yet he finally relented 
and you used him in an unbelievable way. Father, I'm grateful for Alyssa and how you used her. And you're still using her. So, Father, may we be people that say yes to the call. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. God came through to Moses through a burning bush. What does he need to do to get your attention? May he begin that process right now today as we stand, as we sing this song. If you would, stand with me, please. Jeff.